there's been kind of a long-standing battle in our house. My wife is very cold-natured, and I am very warm-natured. So generally, in the wintertime, she takes up the space underneath our um, air conditioning unit because it's blowing hot air. And it helps keep her warm when it's cold outside. And if I tried to sit under there, I would feel like I was about to die. And then in the summer, we switch, and I tend to sit under the air conditioner because then the cool air keeps me from being sweaty just from sitting still, which is kind of a fat guy problem, and keeps my wife from feeling like she's a frigid ice block. So there's been a little tug and, tug and pull trying to get my son onto whichever side. And this last week, my son has decided that he is cold-natured, and he is constantly telling me to turn off the air conditioner because he's turning into a block of ice. So it seems as though I'm doomed to perpetually feel like I'm running a fever every summer for the next few years until he's off to college. Soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. All right, welcome to episode 16 of the Soccer Chat. I'm Adam Bruce, one of your hosts, joined as always by Alex Fordney. And we are brought to you by Roughneck Scars and Golden Goal Press. All right, Alex, so let's just jump right in here. Um, Red Wolves got the tie. I think that's the best way to put it is to say that they got it, is they had the lead, lost the lead, came back to equalize. Um, what are your initial thoughts on the on the match? I was really disappointed to not come away with the three points. I think in the overall grand scheme, it still is good to have this this brief homestand, two straight games, to come away with four points is pretty good. Still, the way that they looked, I really would have hoped for more. This was one of the few games, re-watching it, where it felt like they were truly attacking. They were trying to make through ball passes to get, you know, break a couple layers of the defense. Guys were running. They had passes that put people in opportunities that just couldn't quite, you know, capitalize on. Yaya CC and Stephen Beattie both were really challenging the defense. So it was kind of a bummer that they had a five-minute lull where they gave up two goals that then kept it as a draw as opposed to being able to come away with that win. So I think the argument could be made that this was the exact opposite of our last game in that we pretty much dominated this game and walked away disappointed versus the last game where – we very much got dominated, and Mangles basically stood on his head with some of those saves that I got to go rewatch. Um, in that, you look at the stats, we had 14 shots to their seven. Uh, 14 shots and only two goals is surprising because we're actually a pretty good finishing team. Um, there was specifically one by Zide where he went across the goal um, in a one on one situation. I think he wants that one back. And there were a couple other shots that were in front that honestly. Um, a little left or a little right, I think we, we could have had that. And I think that that side goal goes in, it's a 2-0 lead, and it totally changes the, the mindset of the game. Yeah, one of the things that I have noticed these last two matches is Eamon Zayed coming off the bench as a substitute has been very impressive to me. Um, talking to my wife about it, it looks like, or it felt like at a lot of these earlier games, because he was trying to manage his energy to go a full 90 he wasn't as aggressive going for the ball on things that got played through. When he's coming in now, you know, around the 60th minute, he says to himself, I've got 30 minutes, and he's going hard after it. 
Um, in this one especially, it really felt like he was trying to chase some of those balls down and had the ability to get into good positions. And so I've made the comparison before, and as everyone is fully aware, and you will find out later on in this show, I am a very large Arsenal fan, and I've made Wait, a comparison. Yeah, right. I've made the comparison of him to Olivia Giroud, which you know also goes into later on today. But let's not go down that road yet. Um, in that he's at that stage in his career where he really comes across as that super sub and plays that role really, really well. In those two games that he has done that, he has been, without a doubt, um, way more active. He is also really changed up the overall pace of the game in so much as, you know, the other guys are starting, you know, they've been in there for 60 minutes and they're starting to wear a little bit and he comes in with that energy. And because he comes in, it forces their defense to change up a little bit, which has opened up the outsides um, a little bit more as well, which has created some of those crosses that he thrives in. Yeah, I was really impressed with Jamie Dell getting some minutes, getting a chance. He did a fantastic job getting to the end line multiple times to put some crosses in and make some dangerous chances. Yeah, and he did He did look good. And uh, I don't know if maybe it was the Canadian and him playing Toronto that really brought it out, but he, he looked way more aggressive than he has the other times he's come into the sub. I was. Um, he also played more, way more forward than he has in the past, too. Um, and I don't know if that's just the nature of the way the game had been going, that it was more pressing for us. There was that. I think also it was the position. He subbed in for Soto at that forward wing. In other times, he subbed in at the midfield role, so he had to play a little more withdrawn because that was the position he was in. Well, let's talk a little bit while, we, while you mentioned that, a little bit about the formation. We were talking about this at the game. Throughout the game, it seemed like they kept sinking into a five-man back. Did you notice that as well on the replay? I've In the last couple of games, I have noticed... Uh, midfielders that come back very, very deep to get the ball and try to start the ball moving forward. And it seems all season that the players that are put on those wings defensively, whether it's Tony Walls, Vangel Zaguro, Caparelli, when Andrew Mullen played there, they are free, even Richard Dixon, they are free to get up that sideline and cause problems for the defense and try to kind of be that extra man. Yeah. So, and it almost, I wonder if because of that, that's what's causing the midfielders to come back so deep. And that, yeah, it very well could be. I do, I do feel at one point it looked like almost like, you know, the man of the match that was presented by League One was Connor Doyle. And he, a lot of times, he actually fell back into a central defender role. Um, right. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, he, he dropped into a central defender and it really freed up, especially Vangel, to just take off down the side. Yeah, and I've seen I've seen Wally Walefi Dosres. I've seen him do the same sort of thing, where he'll kind of as he sees them move forward, he'll sink sink back into that defensive role to make sure that there's still coverage if anything was to come in an odd man rush. Yeah. So going back to that man of the match, Connor Doyle was named man of the match. You know, did you agree with that? I mean, he obviously had a great game, but was there anybody else you kind of stuck out to you? Yeah, fantastic scoring the first goal. He had another shot that if that thing could have dipped under that crossbar, it would have been, I think that was another one that would have put us up 2 nothing. Yep. Um, but I really feel like both goals assisted by Vangel Zaguro on the crosses, he had two or three others off of set pieces that were very dangerous. Um, and so he is the one that I would say was the man of the match in that, um, giving us the most chances going forward. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to actually agree with you on this. I really do want to make sure that – I'm not saying this because I don't think Connor um, played a very good game. I think he very much did. I just don't know that he was as transformative to the game as Vangel was. I think um, he not only gave him problems on those crosses, but – 
he had a couple of times where he was able to run down a guy from behind and stop some breakaways. I I really feel he played very well. Um, the other thing is, and, and this was mentioned to to me by another um, person at the game, was they were way, way faster than we were, yet we managed to play a much uh, more disciplined form of um, defense that kind of offset that speed that they were having against us. Yeah, there were a lot of situations. Um, I want to credit uh, Nicholas Amponsa coming in. He had a couple different times that there were odd man rushes coming at him, and he was able to keep himself positioned to shut that down and allow the other defensive players to get back and help him out and support. Yeah, and we've someone been wondering where, where Nicholas has been to a point because there's a, a lot of injuries on that back line right now. I mean, honestly, I think we're down three of our original starters. Is that right? That sounds right, and I mean we're basically down to the four that played. Yeah, I mean, and and then after that, it's just going to be people playing out of position if somebody else gets hurt. I know that my understanding is that Jonathan Caparelli's injury is not a nearly as severe as some of the others have been. Um, so we're going to get some of them back, but I mean Richard Dixon was out three months. You know, he's not coming back anytime soon, and he was a he was a big hit to I think the plans that we had. Um, and, and I don't. Nothing against, you know, Falvian, and yes, he got us that second goal, but I don't think he was planning on playing as much as he's been playing lately at all. No, uh, and it's funny to me because I truly believe that some kind of combination of Leo Fola, Colin Falvey, and Tony Walls, that rotation is kind of our best our best chance in the middle of the defense, I believe. Yeah, no, and I think that's a, that's a very fair statement. I know I, he wasn't planning on playing as much, but Colin, we love you, bro. And you know that was a beautiful header. I, the there was a um, Terry who's one of the um, she's all, she's part of the Lady Red Wolves staff as well as an alpha um, at the men's game. She called a video of that. Um, it was probably the best shot I've seen of it. Um, that it's just a beautiful header. Like his his ability to see the area it's going to. You can you can all you can actually see it if you slow it down and ball. You can see him kind of glance over. And then the ball comes in, and he puts exactly where he glanced over to. I mean, it's just impressive. Yeah. And uh, after the game, I, I read the article in the Times Free Press, and after the game, um, Coach Hankinson had mentioned that, you know, Falvey's known for his, his ability in the air. And which, honestly, he's not a tall, huge tall guy. So that, that speaks to his ability to position himself. <coughs> it speaks to his ability to, you know, put the ball where he wants to with his head, which is really impressive. All right, so let's also talk a little bit about some other things going around around the Red Bulls, um, Dalton, Park City, the ladies. You got any updates for us on any of those three teams? Uh, I'm efforting. Well, let me give you a little bit of update on the ladies. Unfortunately, they had their first uh, they had their first loss this past Friday. Um, they're in Nashville. They lost two to nothing. But I still hold the women's team is one of the strongest teams that um, we've got. Uh, Park City, I don't believe has, has hit a loss yet. Um, so that, that's been an impressive team in and of itself. And, you know, we've gotten one player from Park City. He hasn't yet played. We've gotten one player from Dalton. So we are utilizing them as a farm system. So it's definitely important to keep our eye on them. Yeah, Park City gets the win on Friday, 2-0. I believe they are undefeated in three matches. So they have gotten off to a really good start in their uh, Western Conference in the uh, USL League Two, so very excited about that. We have a uh, friend of ours from the Scenic City Alphas, Thomas Scoggins, going to be making a trip out there very soon to get a chance to watch the Red Wolves. So oh, we'll awesome. have to uh, have him call in the show and give us an update of what he sees live. 
And I'll tell you what's going to be interesting. Tonight, um, we're recording on Sunday night, and tonight at 8 o'clock, um, Tormenta 2 is going to be playing the Dalton Red Bulls. Uh, I'll be very intrigued to see how that chain turns out, considering how Tormenta 2 handled the Chattanooga Red Wolves. So, yeah, and Dalton also um, has done pretty well so far this season. Uh, you know, obviously, probably not exactly where they want to be. I mean, every team always wants to be the one that, that wins every game, um, which they have not, of course, done yet. But they have been very good in the games that they've played. Uh, they've been, you know, they're, they've played two games. They've won one. They've lost one. Um It'll be interesting to see how they do. Tormenta, on the other hand, has played four and have not lost yet. Um, they also haven't been scored on. Uh, they are 15 goals for and zero goals against. Dare we bring it up? Including their match against the Chattanooga <coughs> Red Wolves? <laughs> let's, let's not focus on that. So, that's why I'm excited about tonight to see what happens. Like, Part of me would find it really, really humorous <laughs> if, if the Dalton Red Wolves win. And then part of me would find it really sad. Because they are, they are playing down in Statesboro. Um, which is interesting because that's where the Red Wolves will be playing their next game as well. Um, so it'll be fun to watch you know, the difference between the two. Yes, yeah, so if you are in town this weekend, on Friday the 7th, they are going to be playing at Christian Heritage High School in Dalton. Game kicks off at 7 o'clock. If you have a season ticket pass, you can get into the match for free. If not, it is $5 walk up at the gate to get in and see some very quality soccer for half as much as what you'd have to spend to try to get into a high school football game at that same stadium. So they are going to be playing the discoveries as far as where they are in the standings. Who knows? Discoveries are, have one win, one draw, two losses. They have scored four. They've had eight scored against them. So that could be a fun game to watch. Uh, Yeah. A lot of fun. Go down, check them out. And, uh, you know, be loud and proud. And then later, coming in June, the Tormenta team is coming up to Dalton. That's one where there's a couple of... So it's the 23rd. I believe that's a Wednesday or a Thursday. I don't have my calendar in front of me. But the uh, 23rd and then again on the 25th. So there's a couple matches that they'll have at home coming up. Um, That's a quick back-to-back. I wonder, do they do that a lot? No, there's not a lot that are like that for them. Yeah, I don't. I wonder if that's an actual, if that's a correct game because I've also seen that they've also got they've got multiple games on the twenty fifth at seven and then seven thirty. So I'm wondering if maybe oh, that needs to be updated. That that happens in our rec league sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, definitely want to catch catch the Red Bulls if you get on the down in Dalton if you get a chance. See some of those young guys. Um, get a chance to to see some of the talent. They've got a couple players that uh, played for Dalton High School. Uh, if you're not aware, Dalton High School is one of the premier soccer high schools in the nation. Um, really worth worth giving it your time. All right, so you know we don't want to always spend soccer chat talking strictly Red Wolves because then we would have to change the name to Red Wolves chat. So uh, before we move on to other things, I do want to make sure you guys are aware we we've got a couple fun fun segments coming up. Uh, I will be talking Arsenal. I will be talking Champions League, Europa League, and things to that effect, which. Champions League has nothing to do with Arsenal, unfortunately. Um, but before we get to that, we're going to do a quick preview of our game coming up with Tormenta. Um, kind of a big big game for us coming up. I mean, we're getting to the point where Tormenta and North Texas are starting to pull away a little bit. Um, what's, what's your view of what's coming up? This is a very tough challenge. Um, 
I'm excited about how well they have played the last couple of matches. Here again, I would have loved for them to have gotten the six points, but the style of play that they were taking to Toronto in this last match had me really excited to see what they can do when they get down to Statesboro to take on Tormenta and if they're going to be able to take this game to them. And, and, you know, like I said, Tormenta is, you know, sitting in that second spot and they're sitting, they're sitting pretty comfortably um, from what I can tell uh, in that we're all kind of fighting for that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. And we've kind of somewhat allowed the other two teams to kind of take off. Now, if I remember correctly, Tormenta um, has a loss. Who's that one loss to? Do you, do you remember? I believe that was us. Yeah, it's it's it. So it's not like it's impossible. I'm just saying, uh, it might be it might be time for us to kind of go in there and say, hey, listen, we we are the team that we said we were going to be at the beginning of the season, and it's time for us to, to really step it up on the road. I'm really really tired of the fact that we haven't scored on the road in forever. Um, we're gonna have to have one of those like the last number one song. What movie was number one at the box office? <laughs> I'm going to get that graphic ready when we score. Yeah, I mean, so North Texas obviously has so far been the the premium team. I mean, they've got seven wins, one loss, one draw, 22 points in nine games. But Tormenta is not that far behind. 5-1 with four draws, 19 points from 10 games. Um, and we're sitting here at 12 points in 10 games. So they've got seven more points in that time frame. It is really important that we kind of go down there and – get out of there with a win and really kind of turn around this. That'll put us at 15 points still behind them, but would put us in a really good position. As of right now, the difference between third place, which is Toronto at 14 points, and Richmond in eighth at 11 points, you're talking a one-game difference between being in third and being third from last. Yeah, I mean, even if it's not the sort of game that catches you up in the standings with North Texas and Tormenta, being able to get those three points on the road is going to be huge in the battle for third and fourth place. And then who knows? Once you get that win and get some confidence, know that you can beat one of the best teams in the league right now so far on the road, then... You know who knows what's going, what goes forward, what you can do and as we, a team. And we follow up the the game versus Tormenta versus the Richmond Kickers, who um, at home are two two and two. They've lost their last three matches, but um, they're going to be <coughs> playing in Tucson when we're playing in Tormenta, and then coming home to play us. So um, I think it's really important that. We get we get some points on the road. The next you know two games we can't come back with zero points. We I don't think we can come back with two. We need at least four. So one win, one tie, to really feel like we've we've positioned ourselves well. Yeah, for sure. I I really want them to focus on those results. You know, being able to come away from the Tormenta game even with a tie to be able to say you know we played with this best team. We were even with them. The win would be amazing. To me, it feels like let's just let's make sure we're getting points on the road. Let's maybe keep a clean sheet. We have not had many of those through the season, despite how well Alex Mangles has played. And I don't think that falls on Alex fully. I mean, there has definitely been some times where he's come out of the box and when he wasn't necessarily needing to. I think um, I mentioned this to you a little bit in the game we were we were um, we were playing. He he had a, like a, a point in the game when they when he was playing directly in front of the supporters section where he started to kind of like look like he was going to go after it deeper than he needed to. 
and then he pulled back. It was as if he like had that thing in the back of his mind, probably the coach going over film with him saying, hey, hey, you don't always have to go after the ball. So that was good to see. But no, he's gotten more shots against him than than most most people would be able to survive. There's a reason why he leads the lead and saves, and it's not because we're getting a bunch of clean sheets. It's because a lot of shots are being taken. This, by the way, has nothing to do with the fact that we're both former goalkeepers who are used to blaming everything on the rest no. of our team. <laughs> That had nothing to do with it. Right. It's, that's good stuff. All right. So like I said, we're going to go on to uh, some stuff that's a little bit outside of the Red Wolves realm. We're going to go back back to our roots in that we really do want to talk about soccer um, across the, the area, across the region. Quick um, Romanian Super League update. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're not going to we're not going to be talking a little about CFC's most recent loss and the fact they're in last place. I don't think that's fair to them because they were only two games in. Um, but... We are going to talk a little bit about some things going on with the men's national team as well as the preparation for the Women's World Cup coming up. So let's talk a little bit about national soccer. A huge, huge summer for American soccer. Yeah, I mean, you've got the, you've got the U, U20 World Cup for the men. You've got the, um, the Copa America Gold Cup. The U23s, I believe, have their, uh, well, that's going to be in the fall, but the U23s have their uh, Olympic qualifying tournament coming up. Yeah, so there's and then of course the women's World Cup. So there's a ton going on this summer, um, and then as a Chattanooga soccer fan, you've got the fact that the USL will be going all summer long. Um, you've got whatever they're calling the MPSL Founders Cup. If you're still going to CFC games, that will be kicking up in August. Not to mention USL Championship after dark. Yeah, let's 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 turn a little bit more more direct. Let's talk a little bit about the um, United States Men's National Team Under Twenty World Cup. Uh, you know, there's a lot of exciting things in the youth that the men's, men's national team has going for it. Um, there, unfortunately, as a Red Bulls fan, there's not a lot of players that are there because most of our players aren't even U.S. players. Um, there is a player that is in the USL League One that's going to be playing in that U20 World Cup. He was called out by Guam, so good for them. Uh, I hope he does well. But there actually is. Um... I'm going to mangle his first name. I believe it's Abubakar Keda. And our buddy Elliot with uh, with River City 93 can can uh, pile on me if I got that terribly wrong. All, all due respect and apologies if I did. Anyway, he has been starting in central defense for, uh, I believe, all three matches for the under-20 national team. Um, it's, has had some good moments, some bad and in the matches that I've watched, that's basically what you would say about every single player on the field. So they, the game that I missed, their opener against the Ukraine, was apparently a game that they felt like they could have won but didn't. They came out and took care of business in their second match against Nigeria, winning 2-0. And then they played a game against Qatar that I watched uh, from beginning to end that they won and really probably didn't deserve to win. They had a couple just spectacularly awful turnovers that led to fast breaks, and the goalkeeper, uh, I believe his last name was Ochoa, made some spectacular saves to, to keep them in front. They scored their goal on a penalty. No, not a penalty kick. I'm sorry. It was Tim Weah. Um, you know, they were able to force the same kind of turnover, pounce on it. Tim Weah was able to finish it off and, and seal that game one nothing. So um, it's a lot of fun getting to see these kids and seeing the system. It feels a lot more holistic, and that that can only be good for U.S. soccer going forward, that these guys 
as teenagers, you have to, you know, you have to kind of give them a little bit of slack with, you know, mistakes that they make, bad passes, errors, things like that. But to see that they're building into what then they're going to hopefully take to this U23, you wonder how many of them, Tim Wea, um, any of the others that are going to be moving up to help the U23s and qualifying for the Olympics, that then will be able to take it to the big boy national team right around the time that we're going to be probably in the hex for World Cup qualifying. Yeah, and you know, playing this first match, they got they got matched up with France, which is. You know, I don't know if they're under 20s the same way, but they're definitely a powerhouse when it comes to the international scene. I believe most experts are expecting the U.S. to not make it beyond this round. But here again, considering what I saw in the game against Qatar, there is definitely a chance that there is one brain fart made by a French center back that someone pounces on and converts into a goal and completely changes the complexion of the match. And you feel like, here's what's crazy, is you win that game versus France, you're going to be playing against Uruguay or Ecuador. You feel like, man, you could make it to the semis. Like it, right. It, it's one of those, like, it'll be very interesting to see. And it is good to, like you said, it's very good to see, you know, the men's national team at the younger levels really starting to kind of separate itself. You know, the English... Um, uh, younger teams did the same thing a few years ago, and then they showed up significantly better this last World Cup. So I think, you know, if we're following, you know, kind of trends on that, that's, that's a good sign. Very good sign. So Tuesday at 11.30 on FS2, so set the DVR, and uh, hopefully when you get home from work, you'll be able to check out some fun U.S. DVR. watching teenagers. DVR? It's 11.30. I'm taking a two-hour lunch. What are you talking about? All right. <laughs> uh, luckily, I know my boss does not listen to this, so I'm going to act like I'm, that's still the case. All right, so going on, continuing with the men's national team before we switch over to talk a little bit about the Women's World Cup. Um, we have some Gold Cup friendlies coming up, specifically one against Jamaica. Have you, what are you thinking is going to come out of this? Do you think we're going to see a strong team now that you know everyone's season over in Europe is over? So I would say yes and no. I believe in these friendlies that are coming up this week against Jamaica and Venezuela, it might be a little rough. There's a lot of players, MLS-based, that were with their teams this Saturday that are now going into camp. So they're, you know, they haven't had a chance to really do too much together as a team getting ready for these matches. So it may look a little sloppy, but as they then get a couple more weeks together to get prepared for the Gold Cup, I think you're really going to see these guys internalize what Greg Berhalter is trying to do with his system and see this um, really take off. Was there anybody you thought was missing that you expected to be on there that's not? No, I cannot say that there was anyone that surprised me. I am happy to see Josie Altador on the list, and I hope that means Jossie Zardes is on the bench. I hate to be Jossie Zardes hater, but no, I'm, this is great radio. I'm just kind of reading over it right now. This looks great. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when I looked at it, I was like, you know what, this this looks like what we've been seeing. Um, I think, you know, if you look at that 28-man roster, um, the thing I'm most excited about is the goalkeepers. I know I, I'm a keeper in, historically, but um, who's not on that list is what makes me happy, I think, more than anything, is seeing that. I expect to see Sean Johnson in goal and get a chance to see what what he can really do. Right. Um, and even then, um, Zach Steffen and and Tyler Miller, like I'm excited to see some youth finally behind the post, between the posts. I mean, 
it's just kind of one of those things that I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. So to see that finally really starting to take shape yeah. and go forward is exciting. Well, and even some of the youth in the midfield um, with Weston McKinney, with Josh Sargent being there on the list, there's going to be some other things they can do to throw those guys in. Yeah, um, You're going to have opportunities to experiment in these early rounds, you would expect, being games against Guyana and uh, Trinidad. Panama, of course, is a great cha- is a big challenge. And I know you don't necessarily want to sleep on Trinidad as they were the ones that broke our hearts. We right. wanna, I, I would really prefer they put everyone out there and you know go for the uh, go for the full revenge. But all right, so yeah, I think I think we've got some really good stuff coming up. Um, like we talked about a little, just earlier, this summer is just going to be packed with multiple areas to really, if you're a national team fan of both the men and the women, you've got that obviously with the Women's World Cup, but also with the Gold Cup, you've got a chance to really watch a lot of international soccer. In addition to USL, MLS, USL League One, local stuff that's going on. If you're an NPSL fan watching some local NPSL stuff, there's a lot, a lot of soccer for you. So let's transition a little bit into, uh, into the women, into that women's game. Their first game, who is it versus? Thailand. Okay, that's what I was thinking. So they 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 get a start, you know, with some pretty cupcake starts, which should give them a chance to really get their feet under them at this World Cup. They play Thailand, and I think they play is it is it Chile? Chile? Yeah, and so that's a good, in my opinion, that's a good start before hitting Sweden as the as the last one in there. I think that's an exciting thing in that they get a chance to kind of get their feet wet and get going and kind of get that um, in the World Cup. Uh, even though you know we've got a pretty um, experienced team, you're still going to have butterflies. It's still the World Cup, so it's good to see that they're not starting off right away versus um, Sweden, who is a much stronger team than Thailand. I mean, no offense to Thailand, but that's just the case. Um, what are you expecting out of the women this year? Do you think that they've got the opportunity to continue on? Um, obviously, most people expect them to at least make the round of 16. But how deep do you see them going? fully believe that they are going to be able to move on to the final. I think a lot of it shapes up with what they have against Sweden, but the way that the schedule works out for them, that Sweden game is probably not going to be one that is going to determine whether they move on. It's going to determine a matchup in the next round. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm trying to kind of trying to pull it up and forecast what a bracket might look like as far as what they're wanting to do. But I think once if they can get through that group stage in a position where they feel like they have a lot of confidence, you know, they're on the right side of the bracket, having finished first in the group, that they're going to really be able to, to take care of business and expect them to be in that final match. And one of the big things to even get there is you win, you win those two games you should and win them handily so that a tie gets you that number one spot so that you can you can play that ugly soccer I hate, which is where you're parking the bench and just hoping for a tie. But um, that that's you know that's just the nature of, of when you're dealing with um, a mix like that. You have to balance it in a way that allows you to you know win a game three or four nil, um, really run the score up and get a chance to kind of sit back and, and take a tie and get goal differential for first. Um, it's not a bad way to play. You're you're here to win the tournament, not to always be the kindest person on the on the pitch. So yeah, I. I'm excited. I think when I looked at the draw originally, I was like, "Oh, really? It, you know, that's a that's a slightly tough draw in who they had in there with them." But you know, they you, you looked at that and you said, "Okay, they're definitely moving on." The question is, can they get first? And I think that's the way they go about doing it. Very true. 
I mean, they are ranked number one in 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 the the national rankings. However much value you put in the FIFA rankings, but you're seeing teams um, specifically out of Europe that, um, and I think I would still also throw the Brazilian women's team because they've stepped it up of, of late as well. Um, but some of those 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 teams out of Europe are really starting to be more of a threat. Like it, honestly, for a long time there. It was our. It was we were basically like the men's uh, basketball dream team. Like it was just, they weren't even close matches. And now we legitimately have a reason to think, hey, it's possible not to make the semis. And that you know, twelve years ago would have been never heard of. Like, and I think that makes it even more entertaining to watch, to see that you're gonna actually see these women putting their they're most into it knowing that they've got to dig in and really work hard seeing the the best brought out of them makes it a lot more entertaining to watch yeah and you know you've got and you've got like i said it's a tenured team like this is not you know this is not a team that you know you're looking at and you're thinking okay let's see what they can do you know um i look at the, when i look at that roster i don't see anyone that says to me I don't know what she'll be like under pressure. Every one of these players has been there and have played in it. So I'm expecting good things. I'm expecting them to to go out and really, really play well. And I think, you know, it, yeah, there's going to be some tighter games, but that's going to make it more fun. Right. And I'm really looking forward to watching a tenured, talented team get challenged and hopefully come out victorious. So, yeah, a lot to be excited about. I mean, first match is, is not far away. So... Um, if you at all have an interest in in watching these games, you know they, they're coming up you know faster than you would imagine. That first game is you know June 11th. It's at three o'clock. It'll be on Fox. Um, you know, make sure you get a chance to get to, to watch that and really enjoy it. Um, you follow that right up on the 16th um, with another another game. Um, is it the 16th? Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, it, it, they're getting ready to come up. It's getting ready to be a really good time. During that same time, the men's team's got the Gold Cup games coming up. Um, they've got one June 9th. They've got one June 18th. They've got one June 22nd. Um, so just a lot to be excited about. And then, then we finish it up. I'm assuming, I mean, maybe this is the wrong assumption for right? I me, mean, but it, uh, let's say our women make the, the World Cup final. You could have a game legitimately where you get to watch both the women and the men's national team, hopefully, the same day. Um, back to back, and that's going to make for a great day of soccer. And if you're if you're at all a U.S. soccer fan, that's what you're rooting for, for sure. I mean, there was some controversy over that. Um, a lot of people were upset that the Gold Cup was was going to have a game the same day as the Women's World Cup. Um, and I, my takeaway from that is, yeah, you know what? I don't know that it's the best thing in the world that they're playing on the same day. They're not playing at the same time. I think that would have been a massive mistake and wrong of them to do. Um, but I'll take more soccer, especially if it's a matter of, you know, they're they're not nobody's considering the Gold Cup final to be on the same level as the Women's World Cup, and so the Women's World Cup final is going to be your, you know, your entree, and then you can get a dessert of the men's game. So it's yeah, it's a fantastic Sunday afternoon showcase for the women, and then, you know, go get yourself some Charlie's barbecue and. Grab a cold one, some Odd Story Irish Red Ale, and settle in for the evening nightcap with the U.S. Men's National Team, hopefully kicking the tar out of Mexico for a Gold Cup championship. Never miss a chance to mention Charlie's Barbecue, mainly because it's ridiculously good. I was actually, so we went to the tailgate before the game, 
And I actually was mad at myself because I had three um, brats at the game at the tailgate and didn't have, you know. Uh, oh, that, that stopped you? I did not that I didn't have the room, but I, I didn't want to have to have my wife be like, seriously, you just got a whole thing of brisket after eating all that. I was disappointed that they had run out of cheese, so I couldn't have brisket nachos. I had to just go with the brisket sandwich, but my goodness. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it did stop me. And it's a good deal. Like 10 bucks for a sandwich, bag of chips, and a drink. That's a steal. So, all right. Now it's 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 that it's time for me to kind of I've been skirting this all night. I think it's time for me to talk a little bit. Go bit. off, King, as I believe the kids say. All right, so here's the deal. A word in defense of making it arse yourself. It's underrated. Arsenal barely played in the Europa League final this um, past week. Uh, we decided, hey, and not only are we not going to show up in the second half of the game, we're going to let our player that we didn't need anymore or want anymore be the reason that we're not um, going into Champions League next year. Not only that, our coach basically sends a signal that the highest played player on our team doesn't matter to him as he subs him off. It's basically him saying, yeah, this is not my guy. I granted we're paying him three hundred thousand a a week, but he's not my guy. That's about what I make for soccer chat. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite high as high as soccer chat, but it's close. And so, after that game, I'm of course I'm pissed. I'm looking, I'm reading, you know, article after article about we have to do this, we have to do that. Our freaking owner doesn't even show up for a Europa League final because he's too busy doing who knows what in L.A. probably. Because um, he's a piece of crap, and so I'm I'm pretty pissed. And then I get reminded by my brother, "Hey, you get to root for Liverpool <laughs> because we can't handle not only getting our butts kicked in this, but having to deal with Tottenham fans." So I will say, Tottenham, Tottenham, their way out of the Champions League final. They look terrible. They have a player that swore he was ready to come back in Harry Kane, who uh, wasn't, um, which is not shocking because he's very much about himself. And he did the same thing in the World Cup to England. So, you know, that was satisfying. I actually saw a guy at the Red Bulls game wearing a Liverpool jersey, and I went up and thanked him because I just didn't want to have to deal with freaking Tottenham fans. So, so far, Tottenham has still accomplished what Tottenham accomplishes, which is an empty trophy case. Um, I would be on cloud nine right now if we were both in Champions League next year. We had a trophy. They didn't yet again. Unfortunately, I'm not on cloud nine. But, you know what? I'm not as pissed as I probably should be, partly because... We would have been back in Europa League pretty quick because I don't think we've got a team that's going that can compete on the Champions League level. Like I, I watch, I you know I watch Liverpool, I watch Man City. I don't think Tottenham really has a team to compete on the Champions League level either. They they got really really lucky on some of their draws, but our team would not compete at that level. So we would do what we did the last four years we were in Champions League, which is go out before the round of sixteen, end up in Europa League anyways, and so. I'm not as pissed as other people are, except I don't think we're going to have the money, or rephrase, Kroenke's not going to spend the money for us to get to the next level, which means that now we're basically um, we're basically Everton. We've got a bunch of fans in, in all over the place, and we don't put the money into it, and we're going to sit there and be excited about getting into Europa League. Is that where we've become? Like, Are we going to be worried about the Wolves next year? That they're gonna, they're, that that Wolfhampton's gonna be better than us. Is that is that gonna be our fear? Um, I'm just, I'm over it. I'm pissed. It just sucks, and I don't think, 
I don't think making Champions League would have changed enough. We have to get legitimately at least two defenders to even remotely compete. Everyone that's been rumored isn't someone who's going to be a game changer. There's rumors we're going to keep Mustafi. As long as you're choosing to keep him, you might as well just go ahead and stay in Europa League and be happy with it. We're not going to compete with the overspending Man City for the championship. I mean, we're mid-table. That's what we've become. We've become upper mid-table, 5th, 6th, 7th, and it sucks. Um, that said, it doesn't change the fact that I enjoy watching them. Um, I really hate that now my games are still on Sunday. Uh, part of me wishes we just go out of Europa League quickly and focus on Premier League next year because obviously <laughs> focusing on Europa League didn't help. I would love to have some Saturday games again. I think the only th- way you get me screaming is if I had to deal with Tottenham fans. And since Tottenham's being Tottenham and their trophy case is empty, I'm okay with it. Quick question. Yeah. Do you believe that was a handball? Oh, of course it was a freaking handball. What are you talking about? What do I believe it was a handball? Yes, it was a freaking handball. Easy killer. I'm just asking questions. Oh, ridiculous. I agree. I'm just asking questions. So I have a theory. I want to run by you and see what you think about it. So the University of Tennessee had Phil Fulmer was a guy that was just, he's completely intertwined with Tennessee football. He gets them to a national championship and everyone loves him. He's there forever. Then the results kind of slide. He has a little trouble starting to get SEC championships. Every now and then he wins one, but he doesn't quite. And everyone says, you know, I mean, we should be competing for those national championships. This isn't good enough. We need to get some fresh blood. So they chase Phil Fulmer out. It's kind of similar to what it seemed like with Arsene Wenger. So is Unai Emery basically a combination of Lane Kiffin, Derek Dooley, and um, that other guy's name, Butch Jones? Okay, so <laughs> all right. So here's the thing. No. Well, he might be Lane Kiffin. But Welcome he's, to Arsenal. We'll be good next year. He might be Lane Kiffin, but he's not Derek Dooley. He's a talented guy. Um, you know, here's the thing. I'm also a USC Trojan fan. I like Lane Kiffin a lot. Um, I really do. So it's hard for me to say that. But and Wenger is is no Philip Fulmer. Okay, Philip Fulmer is a piece of crap. I'm sorry. Phil, sorry, Tennessee fans. He's crap. Um, and thanks for bringing him back. That just makes us who hate Tennessee that much happier because he's going to keep you guys crappy forever. But no, Wenger's not that. Like the fact, the difference is the game changed on Wenger and he didn't change with it. Um, and so the players that he de- was developing didn't fit the new Premier League game. I'm giving Unai some time to try to develop. I think that we've got a chance some the development. The problem is, unlike Wenger, Unai's playing in a situation where he's dealing with He's dealing with a, a, a team that's owned by ownership that doesn't want to spend any money versus ownerships that spend way more money than they should, that are getting ready to be on massive probations and, uh, and all kinds of other things. So, no, it's, it's just a different beast. Um, I think, contact me in two years. The difference here is we didn't hire Derek Dooley. Like, Emory has a, has a history of actual winning. Like it's not he's not someone's son who who his daddy was a good player or a good coach. Um, this guy's actually got some skill. So no, I, I don't I don't believe that. Um, and the fact is, uh, Derek Dooley was finishing last in the SEC. Uh, that's not where you're going to see. Um, you're never going to see us worrying about just, relegation. Uh, just just keep building that Arsenal program brick by brick. Oh man, I mean they are they are the I'm basically the just trolling Tennessee. Fans they are the champions of life. Uh, so, 
Yeah, so that, that's that's all I got. I, yeah, I'm not. I don't think I'm not that guy that thinks that this is the end of the world. I do think not having the money to spend is the problem. I don't think Unai is the problem. The problem's sitting in the ownership box, and he's bought the whole team. I mean, he owns it all. My last comment. I feel like Peter Cech in that Europa League final definitely looked like he was ready for an MLS contract. <laughs> and to be dominant for the next yeah, four years. Yeah, just head over to MLS and make a whole bunch of all-star games, and yeah, you'll be ready to go. Yeah, I, I think he cares more about his actual, like actually being involved in real soccer uh, than to, to jump over just to Just amazing. Oh my gosh, he wants to come sign with, uh, and all of a sudden he's at LAFC. Whoa, how did that happen? Amazing. All this top talent comes over, and we've got all these arcane rules that make sure everything has got parity. But somehow they all end up either in Los Angeles or New York. Who knew? That's shocking. Until David Beckham gets his Miami team, and then there'll be a third one that all these guys can get shunted to. All right. So let's let's end this on a high note. I've got a note here from you that says that you have an airing of grievances you would like to bring to our attention. I got a lot of problems with you people. So once again... Scrolling through Facebook, because if I don't scroll through Facebook, I can't give you people top quality content. But there's a question that's making the rounds on social media. I think I may have seen it on Twitter as well, where a person says, answer this question for me. Does pineapple belong on pizza? So here's my problem with this question. The word belong. Now look, If you don't want pineapple on your pizza, then don't have pineapple on your pizza. I happen to like it, but that's not really the point. The point is, if you want to put pineapple on your pizza, put pineapple on your pizza. I get really tired of people doing those sorts of things, or like the ones that that, um, send around a, a piece of steak and they cut it with a spoon and everything bleeds out, and it's like, this is the only way you should eat a steak. If I want my steak to look like a a rotten piece of shoe leather and I want to slather it in ketchup, I'm going to. It's my freaking steak. I'm going to eat my food the way I want. So question for you. Is there anything that I could say to you, any item uh, that I could say I'm going to put on a pizza that you would say, no, that's not okay? I might tell you I would refrain from eating said pizza. So I'm thinking like a peanut butter and Nutella pizza. So are you, like, is that with tomato sauce? Or oh, you it's just... with tomato sauce. I'm going full gross. Like, okay. I combine my dessert pizza with, like, a homemade tomato sauce. No, I would think you might have got into the special brownies again, but, and I'm going to I'm gonna refuse to partake, but it's your pizza. You, you do what you want. Folks, this is America. And in America, you get to choose to eat the food you want to eat. So just, you know, put pineapple on pizza. Don't put pineapple on pizza. Stop judging everyone else for their food choices. Okay, so pineapple on pizza. Is it only pineapple and ham, or can you put it with anything? I've had it with chicken. It's delightful. With chicken? Yeah. Do you do it with barbecue sauce or tomato sauce? Either. Interesting. All right, so now we're turning into a cooking show, because now I just really want to talk about the various ways you can use pineapple on pizza. (laughs) Stop judging people for food. All right, guys, that's going to bring us kind of here to the end. Um... We kind of went all over the place, but I do feel like we covered some really good topics. Uh, the Rebels are on the road the next two games, um, one in Statesboro, one in Richmond, Virginia. Um, they then will come home and play Greenville again. Um, the Greenville match that was home last time was a really good match, and a lot of people thought we didn't deserve to win it. Um, they you know, got a lot of those, well, that's just how soccer works crap. Uh, sorry, the goalie's part of the team, and if he plays good, that's okay. 
Uh, we deserve to win that game because we earned it. Um, so I look forward to that match when we come back, but uh, hopefully we talk about some road victories coming forward in the next few podcasts. As always, we want to thank our sponsors, Golden Goal Press, the best choice for your custom scarves, hats, mugs, and other items for yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, we want to thank Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf sponsor to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Check out uh, the Scenic City Alphas for watch party information for these next two road matches. And uh, have fun hanging out with us, having some beers, watching the game. All right, guys. Have a good night, good night, good day, whatever you listen to. Uh, thanks for listening and whenever you do. Bye. Yeah, they're all super worried. Did you see Brian Fernandez's bicycle kick? I did not. All due respect to Tim Weah, who I still love, but Brian Fernandez of the Portland Timbers is my new spirit animal. Oh, interesting. How does your spirit animal change? It depends on who's scoring goals. (laughs) Gotcha. Or who has really fun memes. Well, you can't go wrong with that.